Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And yes, I'm one minute early, but guess what? It's my show, <laughs> so I can do what I want. This isn't like working for KEZI-TV back for 30 years where I had to be on the money, which, you know, if you kind of think about that, how silly is that? That like people are waiting, but I guess back in the day, you waited with bated breath for the news to come on. You know, you'd be waiting there like now we all, you know, DVR it or tape it or whatever you want to call it. And um, and up it comes. Um, so I think it's hilarious. Now I can do things whenever I kind of want to. So um, we have a great show for you tonight. We're going to check in with uh, uh, bait and tackle Rob down at the Oregon coast. He's going to take us on a little cruise in the, in the dunes and talk about what's going on over there. Uh, Bill London, of course, has the uh, daily news from Oregon on what's happening in Oregon to keep you guys up to up to snuff. And then um, we have a super interesting story out of Vida, Oregon. Um, a man disappeared three months ago, um, hasn't been seen. Um, there's some clues. There's some stuff going on that's a little funny. Um, but the sheriff's department isn't um, really investigating anymore. It's kind of just one of those like a Michael Bryson case, just kind of hanging out there. So if you think about your, put yourself in that position and you think um, my brother's missing, uh, has been gone for three months. We have a few clues, but nothing we can really put, say this is what happened. And so you just sit and wait for something to happen. Um, so anyway, they've taken this to the media. We set this up last week. Uh, they were on one of the local stations last night um, trying to get anything. So if you know anything about this case and when we get done talking about it, um, they really could use just a tip. And you never know when some um, dumbass is sitting at a bar stool and turns to somebody else and says, blah, 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 blah. That's You, you do not know how many criminals are caught because they get comfortable and they start bragging about what they did. I kid you not, I used to cover crime for a report as a reporter. So uh, we're going to do Bill first. We'll check in with Rob, and then we're going to get to that story um, in just a couple of minutes. So first, let's get our sponsors. Oh, let me remind you who our sponsors are. So it's Chris Dental Family Dentistry, um, where everyone is welcome. doesn't matter what your vaccination status is, um, whether you've had your vaccine or not. Uh, you just have to wear a mask in. Obviously, when you're getting your teeth cleaned, you can't have a mask on. I accept they'll probably be mandating that in Oregon one of these days soon. Um, only mask dental work can be done. Um, but that's uh, that's how what Mike, Dr. Bratlin does. Albert Taylor is another sponsor for us. Endless Possibilities, amazing organization that works with people with different abilities. Uh, we used to call it disabilities. Now we call it different abilities. And these are group homes here in Oregon, um, here in the Eugene area, and where people live. They also have people that... Uh, work with folks who can live on their own, but maybe need some help doing, uh, you know, grocery shopping, planning their budget, that kind of thing. And uh, they're looking for employees always. We've already found, I think, three people for them uh, through just doing this. So if, if you've seen what COVID does and the reaction to COVID and you want a job that's meaningful and you're tired of doing the same old crap, um, this is a job that will make you come alive because you are truly helping people who truly are wonderful and warm people. Our other sponsor, Buck Sanitary Service. Um, I understand if you can't find a Buck Sporta Potty and you gotta go, you're gonna go wherever you can. But um, if you can 
do your do your business in a box. We, we appreciate that. And if you're going to have a wedding or something like that, um, give bucks a call because after all, they believe the buck stops here with humans. They don't always agree with our content. They always agree. Every voice should be heard. Censorship should be a thing of the past. All right, let's check in while they're open and then we'll get right to Bill. So here we go. Who puts up with this? That's what I don't understand. Bring the lion out. Bring the, bring the lion. Um, tonight on our show, we're going to have... Hey guys, don't you think it's kind of fun that you get to comment on the news? There's a cost. Oh yeah, there's a cost. People come after you. Like, I think that's why this is so much fun is because... We'll see you at five. From News Radio 1120 AM and 93.7 FM KPNW, I'm Bill London. You can also hear me 6 AM to 9 on uh, the Wake Up Call on KPNW. You can check out the stream at KPNW.com. I do it Monday through Friday. Please join me. And by the way, I am a hair model for Breck. Okay, I'm going to focus on one story today. If you have watched the show with Rick or you've listened to my show, wake up call. Uh, you've probably heard the story of Brian Aker. His fiance was brutally murdered while he was talking on the phone to her 30 years ago by an individual named Todd DeVilla. When Governor Kate Brown started her clemency and commutation moves, she told the Oregon Department of Corrections to give her the names of individuals sentenced as juveniles that were sentenced to over 30 years in prison. The one caveat, Kip Kinkle was not going to be a part of that. That's because she was giving coverage to Floyd Przonsky and Senate Bill 1008, which makes sure that juveniles stay out of the adult system and only in the juvenile system where the maximum they can serve is to the time they're the age of 25. So they commit a murder at say 15, 10, 10 years max, regardless of how horrible it is. As long as they stay in that juvenile system, that's the idea. All right, so Davia was sentenced to life in prison because of the murder that he committed, where he went to a Charbonneau home owned by Lisa Flormo's parents. Lisa was staying there. He tried to rape her. She fought. He managed to get all of her clothes off of her. She still fought. Managed to actually at one point get a hold of the Boy Scout knife that Davila was using as a weapon, which enraged Todd Davila. And what did Davila do? Stabbed her in the neck 15 times, almost decapitating her. And from there, he left, went and met up with a group of friends, and spent the rest of the day at the Clackamas County Fair. Now, the defense that was used in front of the judge to let Davila go free is one that you're going to be hearing a lot more about. And it is theories of adolescent brain development. In other words, Oh, he was a child. His brain wasn't developed well enough, and he couldn't tell right from wrong. We'll get further into it. Davila's lawyers, Kendra Matthews and Gabe Newland, argued 
for a sentence of only 10 years. Now, mind you, he was sentenced to life. The presumptive sentence at the time of the crime, because if you were 50, he was 15 at the time, would be released when he's 25, that's 10 years. See how this is working? Van Rieselberg, the judge, settled on what he said was the maximum term allowed under the law and cited Davila's use of the Boy Scout knife to alarm, coerce, manipulate, intimidate, strong arm, frighten, horrify, terrorize, and fight Flormo as his reasons for going beyond the presumptive sentence of 10 years. Davila's lawyers emphasized his immaturity at the time he killed Flormo, that he didn't have the ability to grasp the enormity of his actions and the, that he had made strides now in prison, including a commendable work record and no discipline history. However, it should be noted his no discipline history. Well, they didn't bring up the fact that several times during transfers to other prisons for other reasons, that Davila tried to assault nearby women. At one point, he actually was able to grab the breasts of a woman while being transferred. Newland, the lawyer, stressed that expert after expert had evaluated Davila and concluded he was a low risk for offending and that he'd matured into a stable middle-aged man. Quote, this was an adolescent identity crisis that Mr. Davila was going through. This was not a fixed personality disorder. So apparently, by the definition of adolescent identity crisis, it means pretty much what? A free pass for someone who rapes a woman, then when she struggles, nearly decapitates her, leaves her for dead, and then makes sure he gets to go to the fair so he can ride on the zipper with his friends for the rest of the afternoon? Chief Deputy District Attorney Chris Owen said Flormo's resistance enraged Davila. He stabbed her 15 times in the neck. Davila, the uh, lawyer, Owen, DA, said, you never hear about stranger-on-stranger stranger sexual assault and murder being the product of immaturity of the juvenile mind. In passing down the sentence now, Davila will be released. He'll have to report for post-prison supervision for the rest of his life. The judge recommended that he wear a GPS tracking device for the rest of his life, but that decision will be made by the parole board, whose hands have been tied by Senate Bill 1008, passed by and forced through by Eugene Senator Floyd Brzezanski. Davila is one of the first of the so-called juvenile offenders to be released under Governor Kate Brown's clemency and commutations of those who committed crimes as juveniles, following the guidelines of Senate Bill 1008, which was not supposed to be retroactive, but was made retroactive by Governor Brown. So when KPNW was the first media outlet to give Brian Aker an opportunity to tell his story and what he's dealt like dealt with for the last 30 years. It occurred to me that many times when I'm reading one of these stories about a crime, it's it's just this, it's it's words on a piece of paper. And when you hear it on the news, it's a story that you hear on the radio, and then the next story is about an economic downturn or a fire that started. And 
It's like you hear it, you process it, and then it's on to the next thing. It's not that way for the victims of these crimes. Lisa Flormo, definitely a victim. But her family, they're also victims. Her parents were never able to bring themselves to go back into their home where Lisa was murdered. Brian Aker was on the phone with Lisa when, while she was being murdered. He spent the last 30 years of his life trying to make sure that a certain amount of justice was achieved for his fiance. The actions of Todd DeVia didn't just affect Lisa Flormo. That's bad enough. The actions of these kind of criminals affect the trajectory of people's lives, not just for a week or a month or a year. In Brian Aker's case, it's been 30 years. The bulk majority of his adult life. The same goes for Lisa's sister, who had all sorts of issues trying to deal with the fact that her beloved big sister, her best friend, was brutally raped and murdered. You know, these, these stories aren't just words printed on a piece of paper. These are real people. And I have to ask myself, have we gotten to a point where we're simply a society of sociopaths? Where we have lost the ability to empathize with people like Brian Aker or uh, Lisa Flormo's parents or her little sister or her friends that lost her friendship for life? A society where we look at the criminals as being victims that we're simply going through an adolescent identity crisis. That's the defense, an adolescent identity crisis. I was a 15 year old. I knew a lot of 15 year olds. My son was a 15 year old. I knew all of his friends when they were 15 year olds. I never went through anything like this where they thought it was okay to rape somebody and try to carve their head off and then go have fun at the fair and have some cotton candy. I'm beginning to think maybe we have become a society of sociopaths. If nothing else, we've elected an entire generation of them and installed them into some of the highest offices in the state. And if that's the case, shame on us for not trying to do anything about it. Shame on us for not voting for people that actually have a sense of empathy. Because obviously, Governor Kate Brown does it, and she really doesn't care. And neither does Floyd Brzezinski, who will be coming up for re-election. As a matter of fact, they changed the voting boundaries to make sure that there's no way he could lose. You still have to vote, you still have to do something, and you still have to have your voice heard. These are real people. These are real people. We're going to have Brian Aker back on KPNW tomorrow morning, right around 6.30. And we're going to talk about what it's like to see justice undone. Rick, get real. I think that's about as real as you can get, Bill. Um, yeah, I reached out to Brian too. We've had him on the show. 
<clears throat> thanks to Bill. And we've had Brian on the show as well. I'm trying to get him on a, a show we can talk with him. Um, yeah, I can do that. It's my show, right? Yeah, I can do this. Um, so we live in a state where our governor says that she cares about the safety of women. And then you release people like that. You can't have it both ways. You can't talk out of both sides of your ass. And we've got a lot of political types and their supporters who are standing there saying, we care about people, we care about this. And then you allow murderers to be released um, and endanger more women. How can they? That's like saying you care about affordable housing, but you keep creating more rules and laws to make it more expensive to build a house. You can't have it both ways. And it's time, Oregonians, you got to wake up. You have got to start paying attention to what's going on and who you're electing. And don't just circle the D or the R because that's what I, I'm always, I, I, if you have a bumper sticker on your car that says, I vote Democrat, that just says, I'm a stupid idiot. I don't think for myself, I have no critical thinking skills. If you have a bumper sticker on your car that says, I vote Republican, then you're a stupid idiot too. You need to vote for people who, who actually think and do things that you want done because folks, they work for you. That's the bottom line. And when you have a governor and her regime who are releasing prisoners, and that's just one, there's like 78 or more. I mean, this is, this is, this is just the tip of the iceberg. And remember in that story, remember that none of the victims were notified and none of the district attorneys were notified. And the governor may have got herself in some hot water that she and her followers are not going to get her out of. That's a fact. Oh, wow. That's so great, Bill. Let me go to one of our sponsors. I'm going to come back and I think I'm going to just shift the order. We're going to come back and talk about this missing gentleman, uh, one of our neighbors, Shane. We're going to talk about him next because if we're on fire, let's just keep that fire burning. Hold on. A lot of crowns and we do really good crowns. Um, and it's funny, a patient asked me the other day, is like, how are you giving such cheap crowns? And, and I think they think that maybe I'm having like lesser quality. I have really good quality crowns and we do really good work. And we're, we charge, if you don't have insurance, we charge 998 bucks. So let's say you break a tooth and you know you need a crown, you can call us and that's how much you're paying. Um, uh, you're not gonna, we're not gonna charge you all these add-ons. You don't want a crown that breaks. I don't want stuff from China. Uh, it's a local lab. Uh, they're phenomenal. You're gonna come in the chair, we're not gonna charge you for a limited exam, x-ray, um, a core build up in a crown. We're gonna charge you 998. Now, to get that 988, you do have to say <clears throat> that I saw this on Get Real with Rick Dancer because that's one thing he is specifying. So just go in there, say that, and uh, and you'll get your uh, crown for 998. Okay. Um, this is Shane Springer, one of our neighbors. Lived up Vida, uh, married, came here from, I think it's Minnesota, but his family will be here to correct me. I just want you to sit and look at this gentleman. Uh, he disappeared three months ago. Now, let's put ourselves, since Bill's already kind of warmed the fire here, let's put ourselves in the position of this family. So they all live in the Midwest and, and Shane lives here with his wife and they can't find him. They're gonna tell us the story, but he disappeared 
And, um, and so they're stuck uh, trying to figure out how the hell do we get the word out about our brother and find him when we're, you know, having to make ends meet, have jobs, responsibilities in the Midwest, but we're not getting a whole lot of action. And I'm saying that uh, here in the West, um, and they're trying to put some pressure on so that uh, more can be done uh, to, to find. And, and for those of us in Oregon, we, this is a familiar story. Can you hear Michael Bryson's name out there? Um, and all the other people we've had and family members on our show with people that are missing, they're offering a $50,000 cash reward uh, for information that leads to the arrest of what, you know, what happened. Um, basically, that's what we're looking for. So let me pull them out and I'm gonna bring, this is Stacy Springer, uh, obviously sister. And this is Misty, and she is also the sister. Misty's on your screen left. And her <laughs> daughter, who is the niece, um, the smiling niece, um, she is on the right. And you guys, Stacy, where do you live? I live um, in a suburb of Minneapolis called Hopkins. So okay. basically Minneapolis area. Okay. And Misty and Marissa, where are you? We are about an hour west of Minneapolis. Okay. So any one of you can go through. What happened? Give us the hits, runs, and errors for people that don't know. And either one of you can. Stacey, do you want to start? Let's just throw it to you. I'll start. I'll start. This is the um, the beginning. So November 2nd was a Tuesday. Shane was at work. He's a contractor. He owns his own business. Um, so he was working at a job site near McKenzie Bridge. Um, I'm sure he got, I don't know what time he got there, but I'm sure it was early in the day because he typically worked from sun up to sundown, super hard worker. Um, around 10, 9.30, 10 o'clock that morning, he went home um, where his wife and then there are a few other people there were there and he hasn't been seen since. Um, we don't know what happened to him. There. What are you getting from? What is his wife saying? Like what? I mean, she's the last one. Well, apparently, that we know she's there. So, what are they saying about any of that? Well, they initially told law enforcement that he went out mushroom hunting, and we as oh, his. Wait, okay, so wait, wait. So he goes <laughs> to work. I'm just. I'm gonna yeah, just, just. And his tools are still plugged so, in at the job site. Okay, so he leaves his tools plugged in at the job site. He goes home, and then he goes mushroom picking. Yeah. Okay. It, you know, and, then, and then he disappears. And then later, how many days later was this truck found, and where was it found? Misty, where you can fill that part in. Um, so his truck was found on Thursday um, on a, a logging road at Mill Creek Road, I believe it's called. Okay. And then the missing report isn't filed until the following day, Friday. So was there any, I mean, I'm not a mushroom picker, but I, I, I would guess that there's some kind of tool or something, a shovel, something that you use to pick mushrooms. Was that found in the truck or anywhere near anything? I mean, did anything in the truck that they know look like, appear like he was actually going to go mushroom picking? No. So from his job site, he had a lot of tools that he kept in the truck. That just seems weird to me that you go, I mean, I, I guess I just, I, if I was going to plan to go mushroom picking, I think that I would just spend my day mushroom picking. And I have done that on stories and stuff. And it's not like, 
So I, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't come in here and start putting together a podcast and go, Oh, Hey, I'm going to go mushroom picking. So I go home and then I get my mushroom picking things. Apparently that there are, if there are, and then I go mushroom pick. I mean, there's, I'm, I'm feeling like there's like a lot of water sifting through the, through the, the story here. There's, it seems kind of weird. What are they, what does investigators say? Can I go back to the tools for just a sec? Of course you can. It's your <laughs> so, story. I can't control that. <laughs> so the tools that are in the truck, right? So yeah. one of the friends who finds the truck decides that he should remove those tools from the truck because somebody might steal those tools. So we have no idea what was in the truck, what was taken from the truck, if there were other things that may have been in the truck that are no longer there. That And that happened before they, they reported the missing truck, right, Misty? Correct, like the day before. So they, somebody finds the truck and then then takes the tools instead because you the, the, what I think would be a normal process, it seems to me, that you would wait till investigators got there because right. you're not supposed to touch anything so that they can see if there's anything going on. So instead, they take the tools. And I can understand that you don't want things to get stolen. But wouldn't you call right away and then they would come out? You'd wait with the truck, I would guess, and you wouldn't touch things. That's, I mean, I'm just... I'm a big CSI watcher. I'm just saying, hey, this is what I this is kind of what makes sense to me. So that's why that's why you guys think something's not right because all these little things don't quite add up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what um what do you do from that? You have to be the most frustrated people on the planet um, because you, you your hands are tied. Um, I heard the soundbite on the, uh, the TV station that did this with the sheriff's department. And they're basically, they, there's no real investigation. It's not closed, I'm guessing, but it's not really going anywhere because they don't know where to go. W what would you like to have done? I mean, Stacey, if you could sit down and just be really honest and say to the sheriff's department, what would you ask them to do? Well, we, we think that somebody, one of the people that were at his home knows something and we would love to have them questioned further and a lot more thoroughly under the rec off the, or under the record, um, just to see if they can find out any information to take it further. Right now they don't have enough evidence and it's all voluntary. So, um, it's right now we're just waiting 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 and in there and they have to wait for someone to come forward with something before anything more can be done here's interesting wendy's saying why have i not heard about this before yeah isn't that interesting i'm not a big media pay attention to her um you know i'm not a media watcher but um how come stories like this do you feel like marissa do you feel like stories about your uncle and missing people, they get just kind of thrown away. It's like, okay, it's, it's a big deal now. Now throw it away onto the next topic and not really sticking with it. Yes. And we've had to do most of the, like getting the story out since it happened. So. So this, uh, Corey's saying you never touch anything in a crime scene. I haven't heard of this either, right. says Lisa. It's so people, it's on, it's, it's on FBI and we all share the, share the flyer it's on facebook. facebook so if i found the truck yes you'd sit there call on the phone and you'd wait there until the police got there right that's i mean that's I'm what I, 
Right. That's what I Back and forth, back and forth. Their footprints are all over and whatever's in the, you know, it's all messed up. So it's, it's kind of not true. What we always think is like, okay, so like if you have investigators, you know how on TV, <laughs> I'm going to show my stupidity, but you know on TV, it's like they keep on them and keep hammering on this. It doesn't really happen like that. And you, that's got to be a rude awakening for you guys. Right. And it's, you know, alarming that there's 182 missing people in Lane County. That's more than the entire state of Minnesota. So I don't know if it's, you know, what needs to change there or because we continually hear about how busy they are, they've got no time. So you've got to wonder, how do you get them the resources that are needed? Right. You know, and those other Bryson's and, and Chase Robertson. I mean, it's, it's sad that nothing's happening for any of these guys. Did and they Autumn, Autumn is asking, did they do like a search and rescue thing where they went out and looked in the woods around where the truck was found? Do you they, know? They searched pretty extensively where the truck was found, um, didn't find anything. They had um, uh, dog teams out and then this a search and rescue group and drones, uh, and they haven't found anything near his truck. So we don't we think maybe he was taken away from that area. Um, we don't know. And now with the weather and the winter, they're waiting for spring to do any further searches. You have anything? Oh, how, does that, that? How, does that, how does that feel? It's awful. We're just, you know, every day we count down and, you know, check our phone 20 times a day waiting for news and to have to wait months. No, it's just, it's unbearable. Anything, Misty, you wanted to say about it or? No. So if, here's a really weird question. Um, but if, if Shane were sitting here with us on screen or if you could talk to him, what would, what would you, how, how would you explain this to him? I don't know how to answer that one. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, when you're a human being and you disappear and, and it just kind of stops. Um, yeah. Marissa, you, you know what I'm getting at. What would you say? I would tell him that his family is doing everything that we can. And that's all we can do for right now. And that has to be the worst feeling in the world because you're stuck your hands are tied unless somebody brings forth some kind of information right right um, even if it's something tiny it's you know any little piece can help put this puzzle together i mean if, if anybody's heard anything seen anything i'm mean, anything anything helps are you guys in contact with the wife um, no. my mom does talk a little bit with her, um, but this, uh, we don't know. I have a feeling all these questions people are asking, um, are questions you guys have asked. You have to go through this in your head like a million times. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have notebooks full. 
<laughs> so at this time, what you could use is if anybody out there saw anything or knows anything about Shane's truck, they maybe passed it, they saw it. Um, if you saw him from the job site, the date, what was the date again? It's November 2nd. Was November the day that if you saw him and there's anything that can be kind of that kind of an evidence. Um, and then if there's somebody out there and you know something because somebody opened their big mouth, um, don't, if you sit on that, it's going to eat you alive because you, you are putting this family in grave, grave consequences, just in a horrible position. And so you become an accomplice to this whole thing. So do the right thing and let people know that to turn, turn it in, say what happened, talk about what happened. If something's out there. Um, I mean, otherwise, um, you know, uh, I almost said you're a piece of shit, but that would be totally rude of me. And I would never do that on my show. Um, Stacy, Misty, Marissa, is there any other thing you need to say to kind of finish this, this part of the story? We'll have you back when, when more of this comes out too. I'll keep, we'll keep going around with you. I would just say that, you know, all these lives matter and he was just a, uh a humble laid back guy and didn't deserve probably what happened and he needs justice and just answers for his family. And Stacy. Uh, same for me. And I want, I, I want to say thanks to everybody in the area who has offered help. And um, we've met some really great people from the area uh, in this whole process. So thank you. Okay. Yeah, the McKenzie River Valley, it doesn't get any better. That's where I lived for yeah. 25 years. And it's uh, um, these people, you <laughs> do, do not mess with them. <laughs> You've got good people on your side. So hopefully something can be done. You guys, thank you so much for coming on and uh, telling your story. And I hope that someone out there um, hears this. And I'm going to post it on the McKenzie River pages and that kind of thing and see what we can get stirred up up there. Okay. Great. Thank you for having us. Yes. Thanks you guys. All right. See you later. There you go. Um, we always talk about what you can do to help people. Um, that, that's how you can help. Uh, that family really truly needs your help. In fact, I'm going to run this just again a little bit. That's the ad 50,000 cash reward, um, is for that. So, and this is the man, this is Shane. Uh, so get a good look and, um, that's awesome. All right, we got one more person on the docket for tonight. Um, in fact, you know what I think I may do just because we're running a little late? I'm going to put him. Oh, no. We're, let's just go to Rob. I promised you we'd do this, so we're going to go do it. We're going to lighten up the show a little. Head down to Coos Bay, North Bend, the Oregon coast with bait and back tackle Rob. And we're going to find out what's going on on the dunes. They've had some outstanding weather down there. Hey, Rick. Hey, everybody. Rob here from Basin Tackle. Sorry I missed y'all last week. We're having technical issues and all kinds of stuff. And it's it's not summer, but it's our busy season right now in that we're doing the sports shows. And we MC them and, and do a bunch of stuff behind the scenes. And it's super fun, super rewarding, but super exhausting at the same time. But I've taken some time. I'm bringing y'all out here with me. Turn this around. Sorry if it's jumping around and doing whatnot. It's not the, uh, the most stable platform, but doing a little off-roading i'm taking you to the beach we have had the most spectacular 
spectacular summer weather lately. But of course it's not summer. Often we take you folks down to uh, Bassendorf Beach, but today I'm going to just bring you all here. Isn't that magnificent? Isn't that something else? Look at that. I'm in four-wheel drive and everything, of course, but I don't have my, my tires deflated, so what we're going to do is go for a little walk. I don't want to go on the beach and get stuck. I've got everything to extricate, but I just don't feel like... That's Lucy, my eight-year-old made her little Lego thing, and then I uh, stuck her on the dash, and she's lived there for the past couple years. That's so awesome, Rob. So this is coast. kind of the North Spit Beach, is what it's called. We can legally drive on here. There's there's a lot of stretches here where you can. The beach I typically take y'all to, Bassendorf, you can't drive on it. But like I said, this one you can. We will come out here and surf perch fish and have barbecues and stuff. It's funny, it's not that windy inland right now, but on the beaches it is. And sometimes that's even inverted and it goes the other way, but. to take a little trip to the Oregon coast and uh, yeah that's one thing I am really gonna admit one of the things I'm gonna miss about Oregon let me show you a little view I took a little hike today and uh, my break I just had to get out of the office out of here and this is what uh, this is Livingston Montana and uh, we leave you with that tonight um, it's a beautiful place Whoop. isn't that pretty Good night, everybody. Thank you.